Welcome to The Encouraging Word, a podcast from Ascension Lutheran Church in Waterloo, Iowa. In our episodes, you'll find sermons, services, and in-depth Bible studies to help you grow in your faith. If you have any questions or want to connect, reach out to us at alcwloo at mchsi.com. Thank you for joining us. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, let's, before we begin, we will um, start with a word of prayer, and then I'll explain why I gave you a handout. Lord God, you have caused all the Holy Scriptures to be written so that we can learn from them. Help us to read, mark, learn, and take to heart what you would offer in your Holy Word, so that by the comfort you offer there, we can hold on to and never let go to the hope of eternal life which you have given us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, as you're looking through the Augsburg Confession, and you're examining the topics, you'll notice there is no topic on Scripture. Because they assumed <laughs> that the Roman Catholics at the time um, would have the same view of Scripture that they did. Only later did they realize that this was a problem, that they had to actually explain what they meant. And so in, uh, in the formula of Concord, which is a, the Augsburg Confession, your Lutheran Confessions, Start with the Augsburg Confession. That's like the, the, the uh, Declaration of Independence or, or the Constitution. That's the main document. And all these other documents in there, the Apology, the Formula of Concord, are all explaining things uh, in there. So this is um, what's – I put this – I gave this to you. So this is the, the brief summary of what, what the Lutheran stance on Scripture is. So th today and maybe next week – we are going to look at Scripture. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to be looking at where did the Bible come from? Uh, what do we mean when we say the Bible is inspired? And then what are the attributes of Scripture? And how is the Bible divided? Uh, what's the purpose of the Bible? How can we use the Bible? And how do we understand the Bible? So those are the topics for this week and next week. And if you have lots of questions, maybe in a week after. <laughs> um, um, I'm just going to read through this here um, so you get a sense of where we're going. Um, and we'll, as we begin each topic, we'll read through something that's confessional, that, that gives us the, the, the grounding point. Um, and then we'll go, as we get into the subject, we'll see where Scripture says that. All right? We believe, teach, and confess that the only rule and norm according to which all teachings, together with all teachers, should be evaluated and judged are the prophetic and apostolic scriptures of the Old and New Testament alone. For it is written, Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. St. Paul has written, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. Galatians 1. However, other writings by ancient or modern teachers, no matter whose name they bear, must not be regarded as equal to the Holy Scriptures. All of them are subject to the Scriptures. Other writings should not be received in any other way or as anything more than witnesses 
to show how this pure doctrine of the prophets and the apostles was received after the time of the apostles and at what places. Right after the time of the apostles, and even while they were still living, false teachers and heretics arose. Therefore, symbols, i.e. brief, concise confessions, were written against the heretics in the early church. These symbols were regarded as unanimous, universal Christian faith and confession of the Orthodox and true church. They are the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. We pledge ourselves to these symbols, and in this way we reject all heresies and teachings that have been introduced into God's church against them. However, schisms in matters of the faith have also happened in our time. Therefore, we regard as the unanimous consensus and declaration of our Christian faith and confession, especially against the papacy and its false worship, idolatry, superstition, and other, and against other sects, first, the unaltered Augsburg Confession. It is the symbol of our time, and it was delivered to Emperor Charles V at Augsburg in the year 1530 in the Great Diet. We hold to this confession, along with its apology and the articles composed at small called in the year 1537, with the chief theologians signed at the time. Such matters also concern the laity and the salvation of their souls. Therefore, we also confess Dr. Luther's small and large catechisms as they are included in Luther's works. They are the layman's Bible because, they, because everything necessary for a Christian to know for salvation is included in them, which is handled more extensively uh, in the Holy Scriptures. As announced above, all teachers are to be conformed in this way. What is contrary to these confessions is to be rejected and condemned and opposed to the unanimous declaration of our faith. In this way, the distinction between the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament and all other writings is preserved. The Holy Scriptures alone remain the judge, rule, and norm. According to them, as the only touchstone, all teachers shall and must be discerned and judged to see whether they are good or evil, right or wrong. The other symbols and writings mentioned above are not judges like the Holy Scriptures. They are only a testimony and a declaration of the faith. They show how the Scriptures have been understood and explained in regard to controversial articles in God's church by those living at the time. Also, they show how the opposite teaching was rejected and condemned by what arguments against the dogmas conflicting with the Holy Scriptures were rejected and condemned. Okay. And there's a, there's a little note there um, that comes, that, that explains, we won't read that, I'll leave, I'll leave you to read that, but that um, helps explain the same, say the same thing in other terms. We're going to get through this. Uh, and we'll go through it point by point, but we'll, we'll, that gives us a, a guide as to where we go. Um, any questions immediately pop into your head on that, or do we want to jump in? Questions or comments? The Catholic Church didn't read the Bible. The Catholic believers didn't read the Bible. They didn't have access to it. They couldn't understand it. And so that may have been why they got away from the scriptures. Yeah, uh, for a long time, people were illiterate, weren't they? Um, and um, the Catholic Church generally, generally, not all, generally, didn't did not like the, the Bible being translated into the vernacular. There are exceptions to this. Um, they, if a Bible was being translated into the vernacular, 
The Catholic Church was okay with it as long as they were the ones doing the translating and making sure that it didn't have anything that they didn't like. All right? What about the Apocrypha? Is that what we're going to cover the Apocrypha um, later, but I'll give you a, a brief hit. The Apocrypha were always included in Bibles. The reason why the Apocrypha is not in your English Bible is because when Lutherans switched from German to English, they had to buy English Bibles, and English Bibles excluded them. But if you go to Germany, to our Lutheran churches over there, and you buy a um, Lutheran, a Luther Bible, the Apocrypha are in there. Now, what Luther did... Is he took the if you get a Catholic edition of the Bible, the Apocrypha are interspersed in the Old Testament. What Luther did is he took those out and put them in between the two testaments, or sometimes at the end, with a page that said these books are not um, are included in your Bible because they provide very helpful background information necessary to understand the New Testament, but they are not Scripture. They're not inspired the same way as the rest of the scriptures are. But they've always been included in there, uh, in the Bibles, and been um, told that they're beneficial for reading. There's four histories of the book of Maccabees. It's, it's just history. It's about how the Jews, um, uh, um, how the Greeks sacrificed uh, uh, a pig on the altar in the temple, and how the Jews set up a guerrilla band and fought back. It's a great, a great history. Um, if you want to know what in the New Testament, what is the abomination of desolation and what's this three and a half years, you will not be able to understand it unless you have read Maccabees and understand wh why the three and a half, where that term three and a half years comes from. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, the, uh, so we'll, we'll get back to that, but generally the thought of those is if, you, if they're in your Bible, that's okay. Most of the time, we don't have them in our Bibles anymore because... Uh, in the 1800s, paper was expensive, and if you're, send, if, if you're a Bible society sending Bibles across the world, uh, dropping out 150 pages made sense. Um, even the original King James Bible had the Apocrypha in it, in the 1611 King James. But it, it, Protestants, have all, along with um, the Greek Orthodox, have always considered them useful to be read, but not inspired. So it... Um, how many of you have been at a church um, where um, uh, they have the practice of after each reading saying, this is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God? We don't do that here because it's not in LBW. But if you were at a church and you were going to read the Apocrypha at a service, you wouldn't say that. You would say, here ends the reading. So there'd be a very sharp difference between the two. Um, and this may be a point of question, sure. how come they don't? Why are those not Holy Scripture? Good question. Um, good question. Um, briefly, um, they are written um, uh, hundreds of years after Malachi was finished. They um, reference the Scriptures in there and even say that they are not, that the, the, the prophets had, had kind of stopped speaking. Um some of them are legendary. Uh, there's a story, in addition to Daniel, um, where there's a story about a dragon. Um, so it, it, there's some legendary stuff in there. Um, um, and they're not, more importantly, they are not quoted directly in the New Testament. Um, um, the Jews also don't um, hold them to be inspired. Um, and 
when we think about um, the Old Testament, um, they were never received in the in the Jewish church as, as being inspired. Um, so we've always, like I said, we've taught that they're useful to be read because they give you background information, um, but not as inspired. We'll come back to that um, when I can give you a more full answer. You told me the book of Revelation almost didn't make it in the Bible. Some books did almost didn't make it. Um, some books, seven books of the New Testament almost didn't make it. Um, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews, 2 Peter, Jude, 2nd and 3rd John, Hebrews, Jude, 2nd and 3rd John, Revelation and James almost didn't make it. There was disputes about who wrote them. We don't know. They were accepted, but the, 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 unlike the Gospels, which were uni which there was never any doubt, some people in the 300s, 400s thought the, those books weren't, were not inspired because they didn't know who wrote Hebrews. We still don't know who wrote Hebrews. So how do you know? You know so um, there, were, there were debates about those, and so, but eventually those debates were were settled for each book. He, Second Peter and Jude, because somebody was cribbing the other guy's notes. Um, they're, they're, they quote, it's almost like they had copies of each other. Um, and so uh, second and third John, because um, um, we're not sure which, uh, some people weren't sure which John, is it John the Apostle or some other John? And then Revelation is obvious because it's just a very strange book. Um, but they did. They they were ultimately accepted. Um, but the pastors had to, the pastors and, and teachers in the early church had to hash it out. And now, when, when you go to seminary, you'll read all of the arguments in favor of each book and why it should be considered um, apostolic. And we'll get to those criteria a little bit later. Um, generally speaking, what that means is, um, if if the only verse in the Bible that says a certain thing is from the book of Revelation. Don't don't hold it with a tight fist, right? Don't don't die on don't don't die on a hill if the only ver verse in your Bible is in Revelation. You see, um, if it's in the Gospels and Paul's epistle and Revelation, well then you can die on that hill. But if the only evidence you have is from the book of Revelation, right? Then that's that's probably shaky ground. You might be right. But it's just shaky ground to be on because Revelation is a difficult book, right? So we, we, um, we this that's the understanding that you let the clear scriptures interpret the difficult scriptures, not the other way around, right? So, but we're, we will get to all that. These are the kinds of things we're going to discuss. All right. First, we're going to look at um, how did we get the Bible? Where did the Bible come from? If you were to take a stab at that answer, how would you answer? Where did the Bible come from? Inspiration of the Holy Spirit through man. Yes. Um, I'm thinking more physically. Where did the actual book come from? The writings. <laughs> Prophets? Yeah. Moses? Moses? Sure, that's right. Um. Stories passed down. Passed down. Yes, that's right. Yep. Oral, oral tradition, yeah. So this is how it starts. 
So I'm, I'm giving a, uh, here's my, def uh, I wrote down a definition here. By the way, if you ever, anybody ever wants my notes, if you need notes, just talk to me during the week or send me an email. I'll, I'll give you my notes. They're not secret. Um, <laughs> um, the Bible is a collection of books written at different times by different men. 40 different, 40 different men, I think I read, I read once. Uh, Moses and the prophets wrote the canonical books of the Old Testament in Hebrew and Aramaic. And those books were later translated into the Greek language. And the evangelists and apostles wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek. All right. So that's so um, it starts with oral transmission. Right. Abraham had a story. Right. He passed that. What happened to him? On to Isaac. Isaac passed that story on to Jacob. Right. And they all, they probably heard stories of the flood uh, and this kind of thing. So especially in those first, in the book of Genesis, those are um, oral oral tradition. And then some and some people might say, well, that's like a game telephone pastor. Um, <laughs> not necessarily, because oral traditions, oral cultures are different from our culture. Um, they memorize things in such a way to preserve the form. Of words. Additionally, some scholars think that there could have been some written records, but they're not sure. Um, so it starts with oral tradition. Now, what's the problem, though, with oral tradition in general? Um, why would God move from stories passed on verbally to something written? It's the old thing about people sitting in a, in a circle. And they tell a, a statement or story, and it's passed around. And by the time it gets back to the first person, they don't even recognize. Yeah, that's the game of telephone. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's and then also because of sin, right? Because people might be willing to distort it or change it to suit their own suit their own pieces. And so, while we have, um, we likely have in the book of Genesis. Um, there's a this refrain. Next time you're in the book of Genesis, look for it. These are the generations of so and so. Um, some scholars think that that is um, a note that there that, that's the end of one that Abraham maybe wrote something down, and then that's the end of what Abraham wrote, and then the next. You know, the, if you read the next, these are the generations of Isaac. Well, Isaac must have written everything from. He added to the document or whatever from where Abraham wrote down to the next one. All right. So some people think that that line, these are the generations, means they actually wrote something. And so then um, let's turn to um, Exodus 24, verse 4. Exodus 24, verse 4. Somebody read that out when you got it. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Exactly. That first, the first part there is what I wanted you to see. What did Moses do? He wrote. He wrote all the words of the Lord. Right? So... These documents that you have, uh, perhaps they're those. Uh, they might be what they call it from Genesis. These are the generations of. Right? 
Um, some, uh, if, if people want to do the homework, um, I, I'm getting this from a, a, a book by a scholar named R.K. Harrison. He's a good guy. Um, uh, he, wrote, he wrote in the 70s, and uh, we had his textbook. Anyway, um, it could be a, a cuneiform tablet. Now, you, you say, Pastor, what's a cuneiform tablet? You've seen it. It's these ancient tablets, and it looks like little triangles make up the letters, and they go all around. You've seen probably pictures of these. Uh, those are So that's the earliest form of writing. So this scholar thinks that that's what they wrote in this cuneiform. And they had these tablets. And so Abraham, and so they literally maybe brought these with them. And so when Moses, in chapter 24, verse 4, and this is not the only reference, this is just one reference that says that Moses wrote stuff down. I just picked one to give you a sense that Moses wrote stuff down. Um, I think it's a likely that Moses, when we, the version of the book of Genesis you get, is Moses sitting down with these cuneiform tablets and putting the story together, right? Putting the story together the way we the way we have it. So Moses wrote. What books did Moses write? The first five. First five, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, scholars debate on how exactly he composed them, but it doesn't matter. That's, we can leave that for people who need to write a PhD and need to argue with other people and come up with it. But however he did it, he obviously didn't have a computer, he didn't have copy-paste, he didn't have spell check, right? None of this. He had to do it by hand. Um, and it was then... Um, so, um, so what Moses wrote, that's the first thing. Moses wrote some stuff down. Next, jump over to Deuteronomy 31. The next step in the chain here, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 31. So it begins with Moses, then 31. We're going to look at verse 9 and then 25 and 26. So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And then verses 25 and 26. But Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law. And put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. Okay, so Moses writes, and if we're looking at the um, the chain of custody, if you want to talk evidence, right? Who who gets who's in charge of it after Moses? What the, priest, the priests, the Levites, the priests and the Levites, mm -hmm. right? And that word law um, is Torah um, in in Hebrew, uh, Torah and Torah. Um, is a notoriously squishy word, but it couldn't it could refer to uh, all, all, of, all Genesis, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. If you talk to a, a, a Jewish a person, they are going to call those the Torah, right? Um, so that and that gets translated um, into your Bible as law. Um, 
So, so now you see Moses wrote stuff down. It's called, and then that's handed off to the priests and the Levites. Where do they put it for safekeeping? In the Ark of the Covenant. Remember Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? They open the covenant and all they see is sand. No, inside were uh, the books that they had written. It had the, ta the set tablets, the uh, stone tablets with the Ten Commandments, uh, a jar of manna, Aaron's staff that budded, and other books of of, of the Bible. You see that. I'm not going to read it because of time, but you see this in 1 Samuel 10.25. Samuel says he wrote down something about the kings and he put it in the Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. So part of the book of 1 Samuel, Samuel wrote down and he laid it up in the Ark of the Covenant. Um, so that's where it was kept. Probably on scrolls then at this point? Scrolls or scraps of paper. Um, it's likely for Leviticus, it's likely that Moses wrote all these laws as the need came up, right? Um, and for Leviticus, I think he wrote, uh, I think he wrote all these things down. And so he hand, hands all his papers to the Levites and, um, the Levites then took all of these scraps of laws, you know, and they organized them and wrote them out. As they preserve them, that, that, that that's the theory that, about Leviticus that I think makes most sense, um, because it looks like somebody's taken all this, all these things, and put them together. Um, but just like you would buy a book, if you were to get a book like uh, I don't know uh, Sherlock Holmes by Arthur Conan Doyle, you might have an editor's name on there who's gone through the old works, right? But the the work still gets attributed to. Arthur Conan Doyle, even though it's been through the work of an editor. And so the idea here is um, inspiration, when we get there, it's not just Moses, it's also the people who Moses handed his books on to for safekeeping, right? Um, does that make sense? So when he doesn't, it doesn't stop with Moses, it goes onward to those who are preserving this. So that's um, so We've got that. Next, after Moses, let's go to 2 Chronicles 24. 2 Chronicles, a little bit before uh, your uh, uh, Psalms. 2 Chronicles 24. Second Chronicles 24. And we need um, verse 19. Mm, oh, uh, 24, 19. So 2 Chronicles 24, 19. Someone want to read that when they have it? When they have it. Nevertheless, he sent them prophets to bring them back to the Lord. They admonished them, but people would not listen. Yep, and then jump down a couple chapters to chapter 36. Chapter 36, and we'll verses 15 and 16. Thirty-six, fifteen, 15, and 16. 
And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, till there was no remedy. Right. All right, so the next, the next step is the, the books of the prophets. Um, and it, in your, um, we'll see this a little bit later, uh, or we'll come back to this next week. But the division of the Old Testament is the Torah, the former, prof, the former prophets, and the latter prophets. That's what, that's the kind of, that's what the Jews call them, the, the former prophets and the latter prophets. We, we, we kind of, we're too academic for that, and we, we distinguish them in more ways than that. But that's how the Jews do it. So what, the, next, the next part of your Bible comes from the prophets. And notice it says that because Israel was sinning, God would send them prophets to remind them. And those prophets wrote down what they preached. And there, um, and there were, um, we see in the Bible that there were, the prophets had disciples, they had groups of people who had uh, copied their message. So that those messages uh, get copied. So now we see that the Old Testament actually tells us where it came from, right? You can read all the scholarly books you want, but the Old Testament itself tells us where these things came from. We hope that Moses wrote stuff down, he handed it to the Levites, and then the prophets wrote stuff down. And after those prophecies came true, <laughs> they were well-respected, especially once, once the Israelites ended up in exile. They, asked, they started asking the question, how in the world did we end up in Babylon? And so uh, the book of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, is written from all of the court documents. Um, we don't have time to look it up, but if you go, read it for long enough, you will it'll hear this refrain. Was, is this not written in the book of such and such? Like the book of Jasher. Is this not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Um, that's not sec, that's not first and second Chronicles. That's court documents. So first and second Samuel, first and second Kings are written um, from actual court documents. And it's written about the time of the exile um, in five, the five eighties, and it's asking the question: How did the Israelites end up in Babylon? What happened? What did they do wrong? And so the book tells you the story of what happened, how they got a king, and what went wrong. Um, and, and so, um, and, and um, a lot of times, it's the prophets who are collecting these his records and putting them together. Uh, and then you have the works like of Isaiah and, and all these. Other prophets. Uh, any questions on the Old Testament before we move on to the new? How we got our New Testament? Old Testament's written primarily in Hebrew. You get a little bit of Aramaic uh, after the exile, uh, especially in Daniel and Ezra and Esther. I think I might be wrong on that. I know it's in Daniel a little bit and um, uh, maybe Ezra and mm -hmm. Esther. Um, so you, you get that. Um, after that's completed in about 300 BC, 
you get this gentleman by the name of Alexander who conquers almost the whole known world, right? Um, he brings Greek culture everywhere. Jews who live in Alexandria are asked um, for the library, the great library at Alexandria, the library that Julius Caesar burnt to the ground um, <laughs> um, by accident. Um, just watch the movie. It's pretty, you know, with, <laughs> with uh, Cleopatra, with uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Liz. Liz, Liz Taylor. Yeah. It's actually a fairly accurate movie. Um, but anyway, Caesar burnt, ends up burning the great library of Alexandria to the ground and, uh, before the first century. But before that, the kings wanted a copy of the Old Testament in Greek. And so the scholars in Andrew, Alexandria sent for the uh, best manuscripts they could find the best copies from Jerusalem. They got 70 scholars together, uh, Jewish uh, scholars, and they translated the Old Testament into Greek. That is called the Septuagint, from the Greek word for 70, because the 70 scholars translated it. Um, lots of uh, contemporary scholars think, don't, don't uh, trust the, the story of that, but I just think they're silly. Um, I have no reason not to, to trust it. So the 70 scholars translated it. When the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, it's always quoting that translation. Um, almost every single time. Um, the, the, that was the Bible of the New Testament. Um, so when Paul goes into a city and he, and he, and he reasons from them from the scriptures, all the all these um, when the Jews are it, the Jews got spread out throughout the Roman Empire and all these synagogues had copies of the Greek Greek translation uh, of the Old Testament and this allows that when Christianity spreads everybody's got Greek copies of the Bible already and so um, th that makes it a lot easier um, the New Testament um, let's go to John. I don't think we need to do the epistles. I think, I think you know how the epistles came because it tells you right in the beginning. Paul's writing a letter to uh, Paul, an apostle, to the church at Corinth, Rome, whatever. Right? It, it's it's a letter. It tells you what each letter has. It's been it is written. But the Gospels. Look at John nineteen verse thirty five. And here, goodness, 1935, I'll read it here. And he who has seen, he saw it, he, he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true. And he knows he's telling the truth. Why? So that you may believe. Two chapters later, 21. Verses uh, 24 and 25. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Um, that's fine. We can just read 24. And then go back to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4.
inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of these things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good also, good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Notice, um, there's written writings. Notice, notice he says first, many have taken in hand to set in order the narrative of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Luke has Matthew and Mark already, right? Many have taken into hand, right? Which have, uh, just as those things were from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word deliver them to us. He has written writings. He has eyewitness testimony. Um, and then he says, it seemed good to me also having perfect understanding and from all things to write you orderly account. So he then investigates things for himself. Right? He has written records, he has eyewitness accounts, and he did his own investigation. That's Luke. Luke the scholar. All right. Um, one last verse here. Um, it, it, just note that in John 14 and 16, John 14, 26 and 16, 13, it says that the apostles wrote their accounts with the aid of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 1 and finish out our study here today with Hebrews chapter 1. And verses uh, one, one, uh, 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Right? So when you think about the Bible, this is a good verse. It, in the past, God spoke a lot of different ways to, to the fathers, at different times by the prophets. But now in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. So that's the first part of our study here. Where did the Bible come from? We've seen the, um, from the Bible itself where it says it came from. Right? Um, this will be important next week. Um, we're going to go, what, what do we mean when we say the Bible's inspired? Um, so we'll, we'll start there next week. Any questions before we finish up? Is that... Mostly clear. Uh, hopefully it's... I'd say about 50% clear. 50%, that's right. Good. <laughs> I think I need to go to the beginner class here. <laughs> you know what? Get his notes. Notes. Yeah. Yeah. Have to get his notes. Yeah. The other thing is that the thing that Tom Knight did, remember that that little book about the Bible? I think it's this one right here. Yeah, I think that's got some pretty good ideas yeah. in there about where the Bible came from. Mm -hmm. Not as much detail as this, but more simplified. The idea is There's a lot of big words. Yeah. <laughs> the key thing that I want to show you is that the Bible itself tells you how it came to be, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Right. That should be the thing as you see. Moses wrote stuff. The prophets wrote stuff, right? Um, that uh, that the apostles were eyewitnesses. That guys like Luke wrote investigated things. You have the letters, right? That that are obviously from Paul to a church addressing issues, right? You've got different, all sorts of things in your Bible that tell you how it came to be. Would you say that the prophets 
were everybody from Joshua, which is the sixth book, all the way to Malachi? Yeah. Yeah, that's so how the Jews understand it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're they're we'll see later. They're divided into two groups, uh, but that's that's right. Yep. Say that again. Your prophets are everybody from Joshua to the Malachi, from book six to the end of the Old Testament. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. So remember, we read that that passage from Chronicles that God sent His prophets to warn the people, right? Joshua is is Moses's direct successor, but. And after that, there's all of the. There's always a reference to a prophet nearby. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, let's pray and we'll uh, go to worship. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have preserved your word for us. That uh, what has been written down uh, thousands of years ago has come to us. We ask you, O oh Lord, uh, to help us to retain and keep it in uh, in our memories, not just as words but uh, of men, but as your word to us. And this we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. I suppose next week we'll start with just a brief thing with of, of how you got your actual Bible. From, from I, I didn't cover what, like, the fact that there's uh, they copied it, and it was copied, and copied, and copied, and copied. And we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll discuss that a little bit before moving on to inspiration. All right.